Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Man, it's been a long year. <laughs> and it's good to be here. Hey, whether you're here often or maybe just uh, maybe this is your first time ever here, I uh, want to invite you into our church home. And for the short time we're together today, I hope that it feels like home to you. Um, we just want you to know the main thing that we care about here is Jesus. And as we uh, experience the service and leave at the end, we just want you to know the only thing that we have to offer here is Jesus. So would you stand? And I'm going to pray for us as we get started. Heavenly Father, we come to you uh, and we welcome you here. We thank you that you are here, not because we're in a church building, but because uh, you have made your home in the human heart. And for every person, even if they're just joining us online, uh, you are there. Jesus, we ask this morning that we would see you more clearly. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
mercy. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Herod is coming for you. He will spare no expense. Innocent blood will be spilled to end all this madness. We have a plan. More suffering and pain for these precious ones Jesus loves. No more will they praise him. Thousands will turn. Hosanna will become crucify him. For the very people he came to save will pave the way to victory, his death. Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Herod has been king for a long time. This baby is no match for the power of this earthly kingdom. Herod's throne rules over Jesus in a humble manger. Herod will be the one true ruler. No one wants this child king. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Death and sin will have victory over this tiny son of God. He is completely vulnerable now. He has made a grave mistake. The accuser has bested Jesus. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For he will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. He will break the oppressor's rod. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Jesus has bested the accuser. He has made a grave mistake. He is completely vulnerable now. This tiny son of God will have victory over death and sin. This child king no one wants. He will be the one true ruler. Jesus, in a humble manger, rules over Herod's throne. This earthly kingdom is no match for the power of this baby. He has been king for a long time. His death will pave the way to victory for the very people he came to save. Crucify him will become Hosanna. Thousands will turn, more will they praise him. For these precious ones Jesus loves, no more suffering and pain. We 
we have a plan to end all this madness. Innocent blood will be spilled. He will spare no expense. He is coming for you. Some tidings 
Oh
we thank you that you came for us. And um, man, that's why we celebrate. We ask that as we look at some stuff in your word tonight, um, that you would make yourself clear to us, that we would see you more clearly. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. My name's Chad, one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be together, even though it's 2020. Uh, It's been a rough one, hasn't it? Daniel mentioned that. And, you know, most of us love this season. Uh, Even people that don't believe the things that the Bible says about Jesus, they love this season. Uh, Things happen. People respond. They know that there's something, even if you don't believe exactly what Scripture says. We decorate I hope your house is decorated. We make cookies. We buy gifts. We gather or not. Uh, We sing songs. We give those gifts. We make special food. I love that part. I love that part, the special food. Businesses take the opportunity, and man, do they need it this year to, hey, we got a sale. We'll do it. Sure. Just buy anything, anything, please. We want to stay in business. Uh, holiday bundles of things you don't need, ads printed in red and green, snowflakes, candles that smell like cookies, lights, Santa's, snowmen, sleigh bells, big red bows, you get it. Warm, fuzzy Hallmark movies. No doubt the world reacts to what's going to happen tomorrow. And they respond in some way. I love to imagine what it was like on that first night having been a part of the arrival of my children, uh, our first from the other side of the world, and the other two in a hospital room in Knoxville, Tennessee. I like to think I played a part, but not really. I was a bystander, um, trying not to get in the way, but we had doctors and nurses and judges and pilots involved in bringing our family together, bringing our children into the world. Mary and Joseph, not so much. They didn't have the clean hospital room. They didn't have the attendants with all the monitors hooked up to Mary, checking her heartbeat, checking Jesus' heartbeat, see if everything was okay. It was just them. And we know this part of the story. Um, And we like to imagine what it was like. And you've probably seen some movie. You probably have your favorite movies that you are watching. I know I will watch It's a Wonderful Life tonight, even though my wife will not. But... (laughs) I have been two of my kids that watch it with me. Just one of those things. I love it. But so we like to imagine what it was like um, on that first Christmas night. And usually it goes something like this. It's a last minute donkey ride into town and Mary's about to pop and Joseph is banging on doors saying, please, please let us in. We imagine maybe it was like that. Some of those ideas of what it might've been like has come up with some songs. Silent night, holy night, away in a manger, no crying he made. Yeah, right. Right? If you know a baby, of course he cried. And there's some other memorable and even highly unlikely songs like The Little Drummer Boy. I've got a gift to bring, pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. This meme says it all. My wife found this for me. Well, I just had a baby in a barn. So thanks to everyone who brought gifts, the gold, the perfumes, all things babies love. Also the child who inexplicably played drums, like right in my face. This, this was great. (laughs) So we imagine these things, we have these stories, but not everybody responds with the warm fuzzies. And the story we're going to look at tonight is one of those weird Christmas stories. It's in there. We know about it. Um, And it was reflected in the video of Herod. 
not everybody responds with songs or with, wow, this is amazing. Let's give some gifts. So I want you to listen to his Christmas story. If you have a Bible, you can look with me. It's Matthew chapter 2. If not, it'll be on the screen. I know it'll be on the screen if you're watching from home. And let me just read a couple of verses to show you another response that had nothing to do with cookies or presents or lights, anything like that. Matthew 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? You've probably heard this story sometime in your life. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. It was kind of the author, as Matthew put this gospel together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to become God's word, is a way of saying, this kind of messed things up for Herod. So after Jesus was born, it's been two years, two years, and we don't know how long or exactly where they came from, but we know it's at least two years since the birth of Jesus. The dust has settled. The shepherds have gone back to their fields. Mary and Joseph have left the stable or cave or house that had the manger, whichever version you believe. The little drummer boy has put away his sticks. The wonder of that holy night is over. Now it's all about changing Jesus' diaper and teaching him to walk and talk. Jesus, that's a bird. Can you say bird? Can you make the sound that a bird makes? The irony of the creator of those animals learning what they are from his earthly mother. Very different. Wise men, magi from the east, have traveled to see this newborn king. Their response is to worship him. You know, I used to move, we had a nativity on our fireplace mantle and all the, all the parts all the, you know, the three camels, the three wise men, the shepherds, the manger, all the stuff. And when I learned that the wise men came two years later, I would move them <laughs> to the end of the mantle. Because I was like, they're not there. They're not there that night. It was two years later. Herod, though, is greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What caused it? A baby, a poor baby born not in a palace, but in a probably a poor family's home or a stable. It's just troubling to him. It's an unusual reaction from a king. He's a powerful king. and He doesn't take anything from anybody. He's in the truest sense of the word, a tyrant. If he doesn't like you, he imprisons you. Or if you're a threat, he kills you. A little bit of his sordid history. There was a young competitor, a high priest, who happened to have a drowning accident in a pool that was only a couple of feet deep. Herod was like, I don't know, he just drowned. There were his favorite wife, Herod had her strangled. Two of his sons executed. On his own deathbed, ordered another son executed. So that's three. Josephus recorded that Herod actually also ordered that nobles be executed when he died so that there would be people mourning. They didn't follow through with that one. In fact, actually everybody celebrated. So he's a bad guy, okay? Why is this story in here? 
That's what, that's what we need to ask. Why is it included? Why is it part of the Christmas narrative? Because the gospel, Matthew, one of the disciples said, they need to hear this. They've got to hear this story. So from Herod, the birth of Jesus, something that bothered him, it made him do crazy things. And for Herod, this was a troublesome Christmas. 2020 is a troublesome Christmas, isn't it? It's, it bothers us, kind of what's happening. Something's off. Something's not quite right. And people are rightly ready to punt 2020, aren't we? Imagine where we were last year. Like we're about to head into 2020. 2020, everybody's been like, the TV show's been named, the news show's been named that for years. Now they gotta change their name because it's not as neat anymore. 2020 is coming. Oh my goodness, we're coming into this decade. Now everybody's like, nope, <laughs> get it out of here. Herod actually felt the same way about this Christmas. He's like, I get it. It's awful. I'm deeply troubled by this event and what's happening. You may still be excited to be with your family tonight, tomorrow. Maybe you already have. It may be smaller than normal. Some of you might be the type to say, we're going to gather no matter what and eat right in each other's faces, you know? Others may be like, we're gonna do the mass thing back, you know? Others like, sorry, I can't come. We, everybody gets it. This is kind of COVID 2020 Christmas, cautious. But there is a solemnity and a sacredness to this year. I'll just say for me, kind of one of those that makes you say, okay, I really need to know what's going on, Lord. What's happening in our world? Why do we feel so troubled? And in some good ways, it should trouble us. Christmas should mess with you. It should bother you. What bothered Herod? What might bother us? What's going on under the surface? Now here's, I'm going to just move you. Hopefully you have to go beyond the obvious stuff. What bothers you about 2020? COVID, pandemic worldwide, the election, this small business, all this stuff, you could just name it. That's the surface, right? We all know that stuff. Nobody has to be convinced that that is a problem. What underneath though troubles us about 2020? What is troubling as we enter into this Christmas? Herod was so troubled that he did this. Look at verse four. He assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and he inquired of them, everybody get in here. I need to have some answers right now. And he said, where is the Christ to be born? Somebody tell me right now, where is the Christ to be born? And you can, they're not like, well, my Lord. They're like, um, um, it's, 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 it's a, um, Bethlehem of Judea. Please don't kill me. Please don't imprison me or my family. For so it is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them, what time did you see the star? When did it appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word too. I, 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 I really want to worship him too. I would like, I would like to worship the King of the Jews. You see the irony. Now I'm not sure what his voice sounded like, but I can imagine 
that Herod wasn't a peach of a human being and that a wine goblet probably went clanging off of the wall, spittle coming down his mouth as he called everybody in and said, somebody tell me where this is. Let me know what's happening. Why does he care? It's just a baby. It's a poor baby, a peasant baby, not even close to his immediate heirs, the line of his kingdom. What is the big deal? My youth pastor, Tim Tinsley, is the reason I'm standing here as a pastor. I was in high school and he modeled for me uh, what a man of God following Jesus looked like. He called me to love the Lord and pointed out in me that I should pursue him. I should give my life and I'm here today for that. And he is dying right now, cancer. And he's been writing some posts, thoughts of a dying man. And so we've kind of had these real sweet interactions over text message. And there's a sermon he gave a few years ago. And one of the things he taught me when I was in high school is he said, hey, listen, ministry and preaching is all about stealing. Nobody said anything new. You just steal it from somebody else. And so I called him. I said, hey, is it okay if I do what you told me to do when I was in high school, if I steal an idea from you for this Christmas? And he said, brother, what is mine is yours. And he answers this question of why this is a big deal to Herod. It's kind of what drove me as I, I studied this passage. And here's what he said. Herod understands Christmas better than anybody. Herod understands Christmas better than any of us, which is why he is flipping out, which is why he is doing what he's doing. Because notice the way he asked the question. It isn't just information. It's a very theological question. It's got teeth in it. It has deeper meaning. It isn't just, hey, this bothers me and I think this guy might take my throne. He says, where is the Christ to be born? The Christ. It's a very deep question because Herod would have heard this. He's a Jew. He knows the stories. The scribes are around him the teachers of the law, the Christ, Psalm 2, means God's anointed one. Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage, the people's plot in vain? I have set my anointed one, my Messiah, my Christ on my holy hill. It's here's the real king. Yes, I know you think it's all these people. And so just think of all the rulers in our world right now and all the people in the past. They have been the powerful people. God says, nope. It's the Christ. It is my anointed one. Herod knows the Bible. He knows the teachings about the Bible. He knows about a kingdom that will not fail. So he asked the question. He asked the question, is this, is this possible this is happening? Where is the Christ to be born? You see this switch went in his heart that said, oh my goodness, I think this might be true. This might actually be happening. You have the same switch inside of you as well. There's something in all of us that will inevitably push you, your heart and your mind to the thought of Jesus Christ, who he claims to be in his word. Because listen, it's not what people say about him. It's not what history says about him. It's what he says about himself as the Christ. So the truth for Herod, for Jerusalem, the Magi, for you, me, and the world is this. We will all, and if you haven't already, 
have that switch inside of us flipped and we will be searching for Jesus. At some point in your life, if you haven't already, you will be searching for him. What is Herod doing? Do you think he wants to do this? No, but something is moving in his heart. How we search for Jesus is crucial though. How we look for him. Herod and the Magi are making two very different searches. Many will search, but not all will find him. Now, if you knew that, many will search for him, not all will find him. What do I mean? Well, if you're looking for Jesus to be just a good teacher, a role model, somebody who doesn't care about your sin, who just wants you to make up the rules as you go, even change them, someone that Jesus comes to and says, hey, what works for you in our relationship? Can we do Christmas? Can we do Easter? Maybe another Sunday here and there. I mean, I don't want to impose on you. If that's the Jesus you're looking for, guess what? You won't find him. You won't find him. That search will not bring. Now you can look, you can Google Jesus. You can Google your preferred method of seeing him, a God who isn't judgmental, who isn't really the king of kings, who's just a great role model. You'll find a teacher. You'll find a blog. You'll find a church. You'll find a group of people who say, yep, you're right. You're right. Come with us. We know too. We know those other Christians. They're so judgmental. They're so mean. Come, we'll show you the one we think the real Jesus is. And I think what we see here because Herod has the same kind of search. He doesn't want to see the real king. He wants to fit him into his box, his preferred method. He doesn't want Jesus to mess up his world. He wants to shove him in a corner. So give me somebody with expertise who can tell me what's really true about Jesus. I need to know how to avoid all of the difficult stuff and wrap him up in a nice, neat gift-sized box that I can put away when I want? Or does he come with a gift receipt? Maybe I can send him back if it gets a little uncomfortable. That's what Herod's doing. Search for Jesus for me. I really want to know. I want to worship him. Quote, I want to worship him too. He needed those answers because that switch had flipped. He knew the implications of what this might mean. Herod's response should bother us, should bother me. Do you know why? Because Herod is the one that we resemble the most. In all of these stories, he's the one that we're like, I get that. My own world, my own kingdom, my own stuff, Jesus coming and messing with it, I get that. If he's truly the Christ, we must respond to him as the Christ, not just as, ah, baby Jesus. Jingle bells, all that stuff. We must respond to him as the Christ. So let's make it personal. What does this mean for you in the next 20 years? Let's say 2040, imagine that, comes around. What does this mean to search for Jesus and for you to be in the same place that Herod was? Well, let's imagine sometime in the future, you get a message on your phone, or maybe it's like in your eyeball with some new thing that they've created, some contact lens that you're wearing. It's like, <laughs> you're in class and you're reading your eyeball and not listening to the teacher, whatever. Somebody sends you a TikTok or an Instagram post or a snap or a tweet, whatever it is. 10 years from now, it's going to be probably 10 different things, but you're going to get it. And you're going to get this notification and you're going to say, 
N- no. No way. Is this real? Is this real? This can't be real. And the kind of viral post that goes viral beyond anything you've ever dreamed travels the world in seconds, the whole world buzzing about it, kind of like a COVID type thing, but a hundred times more. Is this real? And you know what the notification is going to be? He's here. He's back. The Son of God is standing feet on the earth, just like he said he would. And all the news organizations and all the people who have created and searched for their own version are going to try to start saying, no, 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 it's a fake. It's not real. It's not real. But you're going to figure out very fast, it's real. He's He's here. You're going to get the same message that Herod got. The son of God is boots on the ground. He's here for real. No, it can't be true. I thought it was all symbolic. I didn't think he really meant that. Just like nobody really believes Jesus rose from the dead. Right? It wasn't just his ideas and the love of God that rose isn't the most important thing that Jesus is love and that he lived a life of love and we should all love each other and others. This whole sin judgment thing, that's not real, is it? God isn't here to judge the world. Come on, it can't be true. Is it? Is that what's really happening? You will be made aware of the second bodily appearance of the Son of God on the earth. And imagine the day you're finally convinced that it's not a fake. Now, the Bible says every eye will see. We don't know if that's through technology or if it's going to be some like spectacular supernatural thing. Either way, every eye is going to see. So say you're finally convinced. You know what kind of questions you're going to start asking? Is he, um, is he you know, doing the whole uh, judgment thing? Are people coming before him and answering for every thought, action, and word? Is he actually doing what he said he would do? Can you tell me where the Christ will be born? Herod asked it because he knew it was a possibility that the real thing was happening. Where is the Christ to be born? Is he the king? Is it real? Two responses to the first time in this story. Let's finish up here Verse nine, after listening to the king, Magi went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. I know we uh, in Winona were clouds covered, unable to see the Bethlehem star. A lot of you probably saw the thing online. Um, Possibility, that was the Bethlehem star. More likely, it was very supernatural, like the cloud and the pillar of fire because this thing had legs and it moved and got to a house for them. Just food for thought. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, they saw the child, toddler, with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed by their own country, to their own country by another way. 
Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, hey, we're going to hide from Herod because he's looking for you. Imagine that. Chad's searching for you, but it's the wrong way. Hide. Search for him the wrong way. You won't find him. Take the child and his mother. Flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. He rose and took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Nothing is by chance. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under. And that's your clue that Jesus was about two years old according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. I'm reminded of a question that Lieutenant Dan asked Forrest Gump. Have you found Jesus Gump? Didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. It's a funny line. I love that movie. But one that we all know is crucial to life. Have you found him? Everyone will search for him at some point. And eventually everyone will stand face to face before him. Whether you acknowledge it now, at the end of your earthly life, or for sure when you get that notification and he's standing here, if you're allowed to be here, there's one purpose for this life. One thing to be consumed with, one thing to see as the highest, most noble, most valuable thing. What is life about? Life is about finding Jesus. So Dano told you that's all we got to offer. It's still, I'm going to say it too. If you ever come back here, it's all you're going to get from us. It's Jesus Christ, the Christ, the anointed one. Amen. Amen. Ask Herod. The tyrant understands Christmas better than anyone. It's about finding Jesus. And his search is coming up empty for the moment because he's trying to fit Jesus into his world. His thoughts and implied words are absolutely correct. Because here's what, if I could be in Herod's mind in the moment, here's what he's thinking. I've either got to kill him or he will reign over me. He's absolutely right. You either reject him, leave him dead, not resurrected, not alive, or he reigns over you. There is no in-between. There is no fit him into a nice package because that's what Herod tries to do. And we see he does this awful thing where he kills all the children in Bethlehem, two years old and younger. He's trying to fit him in, into his world of self and sin. He, so he's not going to find him. Judgment day, yes. But for now, he cannot be found. And it's a lesson for all of us. If we are looking on our own terms, on our own agenda, our own, you must fit this way, Jesus, or I won't take you, then you will not find him. And the version of you, of him that you think you have is not him. It's not him. What about the Magi, though? We'll finish with their story. They are led supernaturally to the house. Like even if they were stumbling, they got help. They got help. They were ready and humble. They brought costly treasures. They traveled a long way. They aren't trying to fit him in. They're there to worship. They're there to bow the knee. And here is the truth. It's the only way to find him. You come to worship him or not at all. 
I think this image of Jesus in the house as a two-year-old is kind of funny. There are no lights, no candy canes, no decorated cookies, no neatly wrapped presents or candles with scents filling the house. There's no traditions yet. Maybe Jesus has a little toddler belly standing there with a diaper and he's packing. (laughs) Needs to be changed. He's kind of standing there like, and here come the wise men to the door. It's, it's, it's funny, but it's probably true. There's no like, wow, this is so wonderful. Look at the twinkly lights and everything. It's just, it's just a toddler. They come up to him. There's no gifts around a tree. There's just one gift. He's not even wrapped. They don't have all the answers yet. They don't know the links this baby will go to save them, but they have found him. I imagine one of them asking, what is his name? They don't know yet. What is his name? Joseph, who didn't say a lot, I imagine answering in his quiet and humble way, stepping forward saying, his name is Jesus, King Jesus. These wise, wealthy sages, these magi, know what Herod instinctively knew as well. It's true. It's true. He is the child king, the king of kings. His kingdom is everlasting. So they fall down on their faces and they worship him. May we do the same. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Sometimes when I see stories and this story is a part of the Christmas group of stories and yet it has intrigue and danger and tragedy and lying and tyrants and running in the middle of the night to hide. Lord, it's like a great movie. And yet tucked in between the lines, Lord, is a call to us to give up our searches, Lord, that try to fit you into our boxes, Lord, that try to fit you into what we think 2020 should be and how we think you should fix it. But God, it brings us to our knees, not knowing all the answers, but believing your word. Lord, I do believe with all my heart that day will come. And whether we've gone home or we're here to witness it, we will witness it of you coming again. And so Lord, we pray, Lord, as we worship um, here in this place where we don't have all the answers yet, Lord, May we bow our hearts and our knees to you, the child king, Uh, especially in the midst of a world right now, Lord, that would tell us you're crazy for doing that. That's old wives' tales. That's foolishness. Lord, we choose to believe what your word says. Happy birthday, Jesus. Amen. What name could contain such a glory? In the cool breezes of Eden, wrought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man. And as heaven waited short with breath, 
creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being, flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves. When we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor, God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. Took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years, breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul? Renown? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us? Yahweh, the great I am. What name could contain the word of life, the light of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of all? We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such a glory? What name? Jesus. We cry, Jesus. We cry, holy is the name. Would you stand and join us?
Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you later.